Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Road Warrior edition of the Inside OU podcast. Obviously, with the schedule being all kinds of odd, um, it seems like just yesterday, Oklahoma hoisted their sixth consecutive Big 12 championship after beating Iowa State. Now we're getting ready for the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Keegan and I, obviously, at Vanessa House on a Monday instead of a Thursday. Uh, the game is on Wednesday. As of right now, we are recording this on Sunday at 345. I believe Florida... Got back on the practice field yesterday. OU, if I am correct, I'm probably not, has been practicing for two days before, but I'm not sure. They basically sent the kids home, sent the players home with their families on Christmas, and then they came back. So as of right now, the game is scheduled to go down uh, Wednesday night, but if it doesn't, it'll probably just get postponed. Blah, blah, blah. It's 2020. But we are here, like I said, with the Road Warrior once again, who is fresh off his uh, experience down in Dallas watching o- Oklahoma beat Iowa State. And obviously this is an audio, audio medium, so podcast listeners aren't going to care. But just for my curiosity, is that a Big 12 Championship t-shirt recent or is it just a, one of the ones that they've won in the past 20 years? This is a 2011 Fiesta Bowl oh. champion t-shirt. Oh, UConn shout out. Sorry about yes. you. That's, yeah. No. Yeah, I, I got I got a number of these uh, at the uh, at the sale uh, back before it became a crazy thing. I, I matter of fact, back when they had it in Santee Lounge, and uh, I had I knew somebody where I could get in early. Yeah. With the employees, and so I got some. I got several of these um, shortly after that on the surplus. So I have I have got I don't know I got four or five or six of them. <laughs> By the way, uh, follow Road Warrior at OU Road Warrior on Twitter. Everybody, please do so because he sends out cool pictures and his cigar, basically his cigar picture every game, every time OU wins the scoreboard, which I always appreciate and see because especially during the Big 12 championship game, I'm sitting in my apartment with my buddy and I think we both understood, okay, we know how this game's going to end and we just sat there and sat there and then Trey Brown gets the interception. So um, when I'm that tense, I need a kind of a bring me back down to earth type deal and the picture, like usually that does the trick. So I, I truly appreciate it. So please follow. Well, yeah. Well, thanks. I send those out win or lose, of course. So yeah, gotta be consistent. Yeah. Gotta be consistent. Um, one thing about the shirt though, 2009, I think. Yeah. It had to be 2009. I sent out a proclamation to my family about Christmas presents. So in 2006, I had gotten a Fiesta Bowl t-shirt before the Fiesta Bowl, like, so for Christmas, I got an OU Boise State t-shirt. Then the next year, I got an OU West Virginia uh, Fiesta Bowl t-shirt for Christmas. So before the Fiesta Bowl. And then the following year, I got the OU Florida National Championship t-shirt. And we all know what happened in those games. Oh, you didn't win any of them. So I basically told my entire family, please do not buy me a bowl shirt before the bowl game has been played because I, I, I think it's just bad luck. If you're going to get me an OU shirt, just get me a regular one. Or, hey, they probably won the Big 12 championship, so you can get that one too. So I have not ever had a bowl shirt since. Well, and we're not we're not here necessarily to talk about the 2011 Fiesta Bowl, but <laughs> while we did win that game, I was in the stadium, got a call from my mother-in-law. They had gone over; she and my father-in-law had gone over to our house to watch the game because we had big-screen TVs. And they went in, and we didn't have any big-screen TVs anymore, and and there was a hole in the window. Somebody had broken in the house after he went to Arizona and uh, stole uh, all of our TVs. <laughs> oh my god yeah that's kind of lame ah, that's putting it right up there with getting my <laughs> right up there with getting my car towed in college station during the tw- 2000 ou a&m game <laughs> because you did you have ou tags or stickers on your car at, but no i was driving i was driving a rental uh oh. just parked somewhere parked somewhere where i probably should have figured i couldn't park and they whoever owned the field or whatever came and had every single car that was there towed <laughs> that the pettiness of doing something that the scale in which like the amount of work that you'd have to do to, to haul an entire field of vehicles out just because they're not supposed to park here there's a hundred thousand people down the block where are they gonna park well not not at that not at that time but yeah oh yeah yeah 
not no SEC money had been rolling in by that point. But yeah, yeah I don't think they didn't even have the big, the one big, the the zone as they call it, the one big, uh, the north end zone, which was the first big sort of uh, monolithic piece of Soviet era, <laughs> you know, brutalist construction that they did down there before they did, redid the whole stadium yeah. like that. Statue of Lenin yeah. pointing to all their national championships now. Yeah, um, or pointing to the dead dogs behind it, there in the stadium where. Obviously, you know, credit Texas A&M for having, by their standards, a a great year. Um, But them beating Florida, and Kirk Herbstreit called them out last year on this, too. And I think it was after OU came back in Waco and beat Baylor. Uh, Kirk and the game day crew, they do like this Instagram live video when they're on the plane flying back from their game. And that was the game Kirk was at. And they they brought up Texas A&M, and he was like, can we stop talking about the 12th man and how hard it is to play in that stadium? When was the last time they won a big game in that, on that field? And I think Kirk called it. He was like, was it OU 2002? So thank goodness, Texas A&M, you finally beat Florida, who we will talk about later in this segment. Um, they finally beat Florida, which I guess is their biggest win there since beating OU when they ranked number one with mm-hmm. Nate Hibble. So congratulations. Could, could, could be. I, I remember – I don't know what it was. Two thousand and uh, two thousand and four, maybe six. Was, was it two thousand? The year, the year that we were sitting on a lead and we we went for it on fourth down at, to run the clock out and we got it, but it didn't matter because they had twelve men on the field. Yeah, that was 06. I was that like, was... yes, the twelfth man. That's the wrong way that that's supposed to work. <laughs> that was when uh, Alan Patrick had that eighty-yard touchdown run that got called back when he he spun. I think Malcolm Kelly had a hold or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was a good yeah, that one. one. That one was a slog. Um, 04 was probably – I watched that when my family and I lived in Turkey at the time, so we had to wake up at 4 to watch it. It was that game. In Sirlik? Yes, in Sirlik, Turkey. And my uh, – you know, that, that that game, I think OU was down perpetually like 14 points from, from the start and then until the very end when they finally got ahead. Uh, one of my more favorite OU games, I just – Whenever I think about 04, I get a little sad. But um, you know what? I told you beforehand that we were going to talk. We had to kind of touch on the Texas A&M Comp Bowl. But screw it. We already just talked about A&M for the last three <laughs> minutes. So we don't need to talk about Johnny Manziel or my funny story of how I was the de- designated driver that night. So I had to watch all that stone silver. <laughs> so we don't need to get into that. Oh, geez. But, but before we do get into the Cotton Bowl talk, let's take a little bit of a breather on the Florida matchup, the Cotton Bowl matchup, and Cotton Bowls of the past, because OU has played in two of them before. Um, but let's get your thoughts, Road Warrior, on the Big 12 Championship since you were there. Um, in the days of the plague, in, day, in the days of COVID, especially with college football, um, you can really get away with football as a TV product with no fans in the, in the stands. And obviously in Big 12 country, there are levels of fans in these arenas. Uh, but you can get away with it because the camera really only focuses on the field. It rarely shows the, um, the stands. In basketball, you can't get away from that. In baseball, you can't get away from that because every angle has the stands in the shot. So sure. football, it's kind of it's been hard for at least me watching them on TV to get a real sense of how loud it is because of the pumped-in PA artificial noise. But from the pure shots of the fans and the stands on the broadcast – it really seemed like Iowa state fans were there. It really seemed like Iowa state fans were loud, but I just, again, I don't know how much of that was just the broadcast. Well, and I don't know if it came across that they were also drunk. (laughs) Well, because I think all three of those, all three of those things are true. And I don't say that in a negative way. No, no, they Um, should, they should have had fun. That was, that was their biggest game in program history. Yes. Well, and I can tell you if it weren't for the plague, I can I can guarantee you, especially after having spent I don't know how many how many days nights at you know Hilton Coliseum South in Kansas City for basketball, if they had been able to sell the place out, we would have been outnumbered by Iowa State fans. We really would have. I kind of um, I believe you because I've always thought I've always thought outside of Oklahoma and Texas because they have the biggest fan bases in the conference that doesn't necessarily mean that each school travels well i mean OU travels well i'm texas travels well but iowa state whenever they come to norman even as bad as they've been they come in droves and 
I've always respected their fan base. It's a shame that their football team is always so bad because they come in, they come like bring like five, six, seven, eight thousand fans to Norman. I see them walking around all over the place having a good time. And now they finally have a good football team and a chance to win the conference and maybe even an outside chance of getting to the playoffs. So I believe that 100%. If this was a normal year, Iowa State would have outnumbered OU fans. And I, I've seen it before in that in that building. Nebraska fans outnumbered us in 2010. So it wouldn't be shocking. Right. And, and of course, we outnumbered TCU fans a few years ago, which is really – I mean, I know this is a smaller school, but, I mean, you can throw a rock and hit their stadium from that <laughs> stadium. I mean, yeah. it's not – it's not like they had to go anywhere, but yeah, I mean, years ago, and I don't remember what year it was, um, but you know, um, Iowa state was, they had to beat, I want to say it was Missouri or Colorado when they were bad or something. And they had to win that game to, and if they had won that game, they were going to go, they were going to win the big 12 North and go to the championship game, which that year I believe was in Kansas city. And I was like, they're going to take arrowhead over. And then, of course, they didn't. They didn't win that game. So. Yeah, I think that was. I think that was oh four because that. I think that let Colorado backdoor into it. Well, it must have been Missouri that they were playing in. Okay, yeah. No, I think you're some right. of those. Some of those run together because they were such. I mean, it was such a mismatch in a championship game. It was kind of like a non-event. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, having said that, with just actually being in the stadium. Uh, you know, we talked about it to death, you know, the, the, the whole, in my opinion, I feel like that this 2020 Oklahoma Sooner football team, and especially the offense, they followed relatively the same script all year long. There have been some outliers. So the Texas Tech game is an outlier. Um, Missouri State does not count. The second half of the Oklahoma State game is an outlier because the offense came back to life and was able to put points on the board. But really, to me, the script is they look great. They look incredible for about a quarter and a half and then they stagnate and I put a lot of that on the fact that Spencer Rattler is playing in his ninth game as the starter a lot of young inexperienced talent that has been on championship teams but have not necessarily had the responsibility to go out there and go win it Um, I put it more on just simply put inexperience so we don't really need to get into that but just your overall thoughts and feelings in that stadium when you're watching OU dominate and then you keep looking at the clock and go, they haven't scored in a while. And Iowa State's starting to find some rhythm offensively. And Oklahoma's defense has been out there a lot. I don't like where this is going. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, I don't get – you talked about being tense. I don't get tense. I get annoyed. Um, you know, when a game gets close, it just to me, it just gets annoying. Um, and, and I didn't start to get annoyed until they pulled uh, to within uh, – what was it? 20, it was 24. When they pulled the 24, 14, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get a little annoyed. And then they got to 24, 21. I'm like, okay, now I'm full blown. annoyed. <laughs> now I didn't think that, you know, um, I didn't think that they were going to ultimately come back and, and win. Uh, truly I didn't. Um, I thought that something like what happened was going to happen. I didn't really, not that I'm qualified to do so. I didn't really agree with, with Riley's play call in there on the last, on the last off possession. Uh, I thought we should have been in four down territory there when he threw for the end zone and we kicked the field goal. Um, okay. I just, it just glitched on me. Um, anyway, and I think I even tweeted it. I said, this needs to be four down territory and we need to not give them the ball back. Now, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's my opinion and it's worth what you paid for it. But, um, you know, as far as the, the, you know, Iowa State has a good defense. Iowa State's defense played pretty well against us up there. And once we got once we, we got into the second half, I think, you know, Riley gets conservative with his play calling to some degree. Um, we had some drop balls, you know, just little things here and there. I mean, he, he, he threw, I remember, I think it was in the third quarter, early in the fourth, he had a third and one, and he threw the ball instead of just pounding and getting the first down, which was just infuriating. Um, and we have to the ball away. Now, fortunately, we have a defense that lets us get away with some of that. But, uh, you know, I think, I think, and I'm, again, I'm, this is not meant to be a criticism. It's just an observation. But I think our coach gets a little conservative with a big lead um, instead of sort of putting the foot down. You know, some of that's on him. Some of that's on execution. But um, it's disappointing that we can't extend those leads in some of these games. 
Yeah, and it, it's odd because classically when you talk about, okay, this offense is getting conservative, and I say classically in terms of just football in general, not just Oklahoma, but whenever you say like, okay, their offense is getting conservative, your brain kind of goes to they line up under center, eye formation, hand the football off, and they just run, and it's just boring. It's just you watch A gap, B gap, and that's all it is. Well, coaches nowadays, especially young coaches like Lincoln Riley, who cut their teeth in the air raid, when they get conservative, they're not thinking about running the football. They cut, they get conservative of what they know, and it's throwing the football. So, you know, Ramondre Stevenson getting, what, three carries in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. I can't remember which quarter it was, where, yeah, he's not getting, he's not getting gigantic runs, but it's fairly apparent when he's been able to get the opportunity Three or four yards for Madre Stevenson will wear down a defense, even one as talented as Iowa State. And that's been the thing with Lincoln Riley basically ever since he came to OU once he was the OC of him just simply forgetting that, hey, you can run the football. So they're going to have a lot of opportunities to do that against Florida because I know their defense is playing against uh, – I'm not going to say they're playing against SEC competition, but I think we can both say – between two these two conferences, the SEC has better offenses, harder offenses to prepare for, and Florida's defense is going up against those. So Oklahoma's going to have, on paper, some good opportunities to show out for Madre Stevenson. The hope is Lincoln just doesn't get conservative again and decides to throw it when it's a third and four or a third and three. It's like, eh, just do the easy thing right there. But uh, I guess mm. other than, you know, just – it's hard. It's really hard to put in perspective because Barry Switzer didn't win more than five conference championships in a row. Uh, Bud Wilkinson won 13. Uh, none of us were alive for that, uh, but we certainly know about it. But having, you know, knowing full well that the, conf- the Big 12 is not the toughest conference in the world, but when you consider this year and they were 0-2 to start off the season, and we all knew, well, if, if the light bulb comes on for this team, they are the most talented, but they're in an O2 hole. There's, you know, I, I just can't see them winning the, the conference again. You consider that and you consider that they've won five previous. It's just, I know OU fans and me, especially I want a national championship, but it's truly remarkable what OU is able to do, even in a year like this with all the chaos, all the disadvantages, and they're still, their floor is, well, we'll still win the conference. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, for a down year, you know, end up sixth in the country in the final in the final ranking. But yeah, I mean, the, the you know, I think the strangely enough, I think the biggest reason that we were able to win the conference championship was Kansas State's quarterback got hurt. Um, Agreed. Because Agreed. at the time, I thought, you know, for them to lose three games, they were looking pretty good early in the season, and then he gets hurt and they tank. And that was what let us get to where we needed to get to because you know the nightmare scenario would have been. Uh, Iowa State and Kansas State, you know, ended up with two losses each. And we, you know, even if we won out, we tie with them with two losses and we lose all the tiebreakers. So, um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it is remarkable. Um, and it's sort of, I don't think our fans really understand or, or comprehend what an accomplishment that is because we're so spoiled and we're so used to it at this point. Uh, it's expected. Even I expected, and I've got more perspective than anybody. Um, I expected us to win and, and we did, but, but it truly is a remarkable thing. Um, you know, Clemson's won six in a row and, and, and their conference, we've won six in a row on our conference. And, you know, the, the last prior, uh, streaks of that length, I think were when, what you mentioned when Wilkinson won 13 in a row uh, and that's in any conference. Yeah. I think uh, even I, Florida state didn't win the ACC that many times in a row when they were dominating it. I think USC won six or seven, like in, from 02 when they had Carson Palmer, then 03, 04, 05. I think they won it in 06 because they went to the Rose Bowl. I think they won it in 07 as well. But after that, I can't remember because that's basically when I think Pete Carroll bolted and they've been kind of average to their standards ever since. So, but I mean, no, it, I mean, it just goes to show you that it's hard and Clemson fans should be. I mean, obviously, they've won national championships in this span, but as much crap as I give the ACC for being a basketball conference, I mean, it's still hard. And uh, I'm just – I am still kind of dumbfounded that OU won the conference this year, and especially against Iowa State. But I will say, 
I get a little worried when I completely call a football game correctly because the whole thing was you go back to that game in Ames. Well, OU's not going to miss all these tackles in the backfield again. Well, OU's not going to drop all these gimme interceptions that we know Brock Purdy is going to throw them because that's what Brock Purdy does. He has three or four bad passes a game. And OU's not going to drop touchdown passes like they did all night names, right? So OU should win. That's basically what happened. OU caught all their gimme interceptions. OU didn't miss tackles on Brees Hall. They had one bad play on Hutchinson with 16 missed tackles, but Hutchinson's actually pretty good. So, you know, one play's not going to do that much. But um, I felt a little odd that it went according to plan, A, and then B, at the same time, it still was – it came down to the wire. So I just don't know how much of that is. This is an inexperienced team that didn't have an off season or Iowa state is just simply very worthy on this stage with Oklahoma. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, I give Iowa state a lot of credit. I think they are, they were worthy to play with us. You know, the only prediction I made about it was that uh, I thought we would win comfortably. And up until about five minutes left in the game, I thought we would, um, you know, we, if we win that game 24 to 14, that's, you know, to me in a conference championship game, winning by double digits, that's a comfortable win, even at 10 points. Uh, you know, they, they made us sweat it out at the end and, and, you know, credit to them for that. Um, we finally made the plays on defense there at the end to get it done. And, and, uh, you know, so it is, it is what it is. And, you know, I'll, like I said, I'll take that for a down year. Uh, most of these guys are coming back and, uh, you know, the rest of the conference has got to be thinking there's no way they can ever, you know, we're not going to start 0-2 again for another 20 years. So, you know, um, they've got to be thinking what the heck has to happen for somebody else to win this thing. And I guess before we get into the Cotton Bowl stuff, uh, just as much as we can say you've seen like a full season of Spencer Rattler, even saying that's silly, because like I've said a zillion times, this is his eighth, ninth game as the Oklahoma starter. But you know, you get nine games under your belt in college, you have a basic understanding of what you are at least that season. And since Spencer Rattler is in his first year, you know, projecting how he can clean up his game in the off season and then projecting what he could then look like if that happens. I mean, the sky's the limit, but now that you've seen basically a season of Spencer Rattler, you know, in person, what do you like? What do you not like? What are you worried about? Just like general thoughts. Well, I don't think I'm, I'm worried about anything. He's a, he's a solid quarterback. I think he will be, I, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I've said it, you know, we, we're not going to have uh, our quarterback in New York this year for the first time in four years, or actually, I guess for the first time in six years, uh, we're not going to have our quarterback at the Heisman ceremony, but it won't, you know, Rattler will be there. Um, you know, if it weren't for, um, some of the, the youthful mistakes he made early in the season with turnovers and not taking care of the ball, you know, he, you know, he was, he was touted before the season, which was silly because he hadn't taken, a, he hadn't taken a meaningful snap, but um, you know, he would have gotten some of that hype this year if we were undefeated. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman next year, but he will make it to New York and it wouldn't surprise me if he did. He's got that kind of talent. Uh, he cleaned up his turnover problems. Uh, how long has it been since he turned the ball over? He threw an interception against Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Uh, bad throw back across his body, across the middle of the field. He was Me- lucky. Ultimately he was, meaningless, but. Yeah, he was lucky that ball didn't get picked in the Big 12 title game that Marvin Mims caught out of mid It was a bad throw. Oh, the one that got tipped? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true, but, you know. Lucky. It didn't, so. <laughs> you got to be, be lucky sometimes. Though. And if, and if, uh, if uh, Trajan Bridges could have held on to that, that ball that he threw in the end zone it might have been way different too so yeah hell of a hell of a throw and hell of an attempt at a catch just you know couldn't hold on to it i will say it, it would have been interesting to see if spencer rattler was able to make it quote unquote to new york because i don't even know how they're even doing the heisman this year it's, well they're not should, doing it till january there should be no heisman this year if you respect the award and i know it's kind of become like the mvp quarterback on the on the title team or the you know it's basically what that award has become but i you know the heisman is the heisman no one's really been worthy of winning it this year <laughs> like no one has above mm-hmm. and beyond been like give it to Devonte smith but they're not going to give it to a receiver but i will say if theo weiss would have helped out spencer rattler in the middle of the year and caught three or four of those touchdown passes he threw directly to him 
He had had 32, 33 touchdown passes alone. He's also had five or six other straight drop touchdown passes this year. I mean, a handful of them in Ames by Obiolo, excuse me. Um, as you know, you say the word solid, and I, I completely understand what you mean because he did clean up his turnovers, but he did do he did commit those turnovers. So he, sure. has, not, he has not reached the level that we've seen uh, the OU quarterback play under Lincoln Riley recently. But let's if this is his floor, then my goodness, this this dude is going to be good. And exactly, I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. I mean, he, you know, he 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 comes out and, and makes some you know, early in the season and make some, some throws you shouldn't make when he's trying to, he's tr- in the process of learning how to do this at this level. Yeah. Um, that's to be expected. Um, and you know, once he, once he did that for the most part, I mean, we didn't ha- he didn't have any game changing turnovers, uh, you know, after, well, really after Iowa state that I can remember. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, we didn't lose Texas, after that, Texas, so that affects that too. <laughs> Texas, Texas, he got benched because of the turnovers. That's when it. Oh, really, that's right. I forgot. That's when it really ended. So yeah, he, um, that's true. I forgot. I forgot he got benched. That's 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 been a long time, and we and even at that 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 game still pisses me off. It still shouldn't. We shouldn't have gone to overtime with those guys. But, no, it, it went exactly like um, you described it. It was annoying. You're up 31-17, yeah. and Sam Ellinger still has a chance to tie it. And it's like, why is this happening? I want to be relaxing and celebrating getting drunk having a good time now but no i gotta watch four overtimes more of this crap but oh well i was sweating like a hog too oh it's always hot it's 900 degrees down there it's either hot or raining it's one of those two things bro you although in in 2000 when we beat the crap out of them it was like 45 degrees and drizzly it was it was like actually cold some random cold games yeah no but then of course then of course there was the 84 game when we were were like selling the the vendors at the fair were selling the trash bags that they give them for free for like $4 a piece. I was at the uh, Stanberry game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was at that game. Yikes. It was very wet. <laughs> uh, screw that. It's, you know, it's a neutral site game, but it is still in the state of Texas, but that's true. Oklahoma wins six big 12 championship. We're all happy. And now we're looking forward to probably the most interesting, most fun, most exciting bowl matchup that isn't a playoff game uh, between Oklahoma and Florida. You've got Kyle Trask, who is one of the four finalists for the Heisman trophy and is by far going to be, I mean, this Florida offense is going to be the biggest test for Oklahoma's defense, because like I said earlier, the offenses in the big 12 compared to what we know of the big 12 as like the fun, wacky circus, you know, yardage offense conference. It's not that this year, whether that's just because, some quarterback like the quarterback play is just kind of drops you know we don't know or maybe it's just because the conference is making a little bit more of a concerted effort to put more thought into the defensive side of the ball so we're never going to know but this is what these bowl games are about because apparently if OU wins and that proves they're quote-unquote SEC level if they lose that means they're quote-unquote not SEC level but bowl games are just matchups you know some are good some are bad well, now, no, to those to whom it just means more, if we win, that means that Florida didn't really want to be there. Exactly. It's because they shot their wad against Alabama in a game that they almost won. Yeah, that's right. They, they don't really want to play in a lower-level bowl like the Cotton Bowl. So. <laughs> no, and just like I said, well, like on the pod with Keegan once the game uh, got announced, if I'm a Florida player, like, yes, I'm – I'm a little bummed because they had a chance. They had multiple chances this year and they unfortunately just didn't make enough plays. And, you know, you got to give them credit for putting up that many points against Alabama. I was shocked that they were able to do that. I thought Alabama was going to cakewalk them, uh, but they had a chance in that game. And so not making the playoff, you know, that's disappointing, but you should be up for a game against Oklahoma. You should be up for basically a game against a logo school. And so, I understand, even though I still think it's BS when Alabama loses to Utah and the Sugar Bowl all those years ago, I can see those Alabama players just not giving a damn. I can see OU walking into the Fiesta Bowl against Boise State, not giving a damn. But you walk into a game against a logo school, a blue blood, and you're not hyped for that, then there's something wrong with you. So win or lose, this should be a fun game. Uh, Opt-outs are, of course, affecting both teams. Trey Brown for Oklahoma. Kyle Pitts for Florida, as of right now, haven't seen anything else. 
Um, hopefully everybody is healthy for this game as well, since both programs let their kids go back home uh, for Christmas. So hopefully they took proper precautions and are able to play. Uh, but I mean, th- or did you, did you want this matchup? I mean, I think we all kind of wanted A&M, uh, at least I did, but of the three SEC opponents, A&M, Georgia, and Florida, like I've said, like I thought that this was the worst matchup for Oklahoma. That doesn't mean that I think that they're going to lose just yet, but I think of those three opponents, this is the toughest matchup for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I mean, I, I, it was obvious it was going to be one of the three of them. Uh, you know, the way the SEC's contracts are, A&M was the highest ranked SEC team that wasn't in the playoffs. So the, the Orange Bowl had them by contract. Now they can trade those things around if they decide to. And I thought they might, but, you know, I don't think – I mean, I saw stuff from A&M people. A&M didn't want to play oh, – we don't want to play a Big 12 school. Now, they didn't want to play us. Uh, but – They want uh, that scoreboard to last as long as possible. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I engaged with some, some Aggie guy because he was – I saw an Aggie guy t- tweeting about, oh, I hope – you know, they better not send us to the Cotton Bowl to play a Big 12 school. And I just responded to him and I said, why? And then he said, oh, we're not scared of mobile home on. You remember what happened the last time we played? And he put up a screenshot of the, you know, 44 to 13 or whatever it was. So I just put up the, the Francione 77 nothing screenshot, and then he didn't respond anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, I would have loved to have, played, to have played A&M first and Georgia second. For, and nothing to do with the matchup. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since we played Florida, lost to Florida. The, the you know, A&M is just annoying, and Georgia – you know, we owe them from a couple of years ago. So, uh, but yeah, I think it is the, I think it is the worst matchup for us. Uh, although, I mean, I, we'll see how good our, we'll see how good our, our defense is against an SEC offense. Um, objectively, leaving aside the whole, it just means more element. I think Iowa State's defense might be better than Florida's defense, but you know, Florida was playing SEC schools. So who knows? Yeah, and that, like what I mean by that is because I think you and I can both agree Florida probably has more talent defensively than Iowa State. That does not mean that Florida's defense is better than Iowa State's because especially when you're talking about defense, it's a unit. It's a team effort. Right. Um, you, what we mean is you can just look at the recruiting rankings, Google it up, and like, yeah, Florida has more on-paper talent. So their capability, their ceiling is higher than Iowa State's. But to me, the big question is, going back to what I mentioned earlier about the script that this OU team seems to follow every game, they cannot afford to go stagnant, whether it's because of play calling or just players not executing. They cannot afford to go stagnant for too long. They're not going to score every drive. I'm not calling for that. But when they do get stagnant, they need to make sure that you can get one or two bad drives that don't result in points. Don't turn the football over, but if they go out there and they string together three, four, even five consecutive drives of no points, OU's defense is good. And like you said, we're going to find out just how good they are against this Florida offense. They're good, but I don't know if they're good enough to stop Florida on another four or five consecutive drives to match OU's offense, not scoring. So to me, that's why it's such a difficult matchup. OU we've seen them all year get stagnant. I'm to expect that they will probably do that again this game. They just cannot afford to make it a prolonged uh, period of time like that last an entire second or third quarter. Sure. No, I, I think that's that's absolutely. And, you know, it's funny uh, when you talk about that. You, it, it's not that long ago that we had to score every time we had the ball if we wanted to win some of these games. And so it's, it's actually kind of refreshing to talk about, well, you know, we're going to have a problem if we go, you know, three or four possessions without scoring against this team. You know, because, again, it's it's been, what, two years since, you know, literally if you didn't score a touchdown every time you had the ball, you're going to lose. Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a bit of a that's a bit of a luxury. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will ask, were you as frustrated as I was watching the game against Iowa State of how many times Harry on Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, um, oh god! Anybody was just biting <laughs> on pump fakes on Brock Purdy because Kyle Trask. I, I got a, I was I was taking pictures. I think I tweeted out this picture. I I was taking pictures when when we had him stopped uh, when we pinned him down at the two, and uh, um, Winfrey is just got both of his arms up and he's getting that, ready yeah. to he's getting ready to swallow Brock Purdy right before <laughs> Purdy went zip and went around him. I mean, we should have had we should have had at least two safeties in that game. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was it's it, it was disappointing. They they don't break down. I mean, I understand their job is to rush the quarterback, but they they come full bore and they don't break down and get him, and and they they whiff a lot. Now again, I'm not being critical. I love the way our defensive line has played. It's the be- the best defensive line we've had in years. Uh, but they they could be even better if they would if they would wrap up some of those sacks. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, that's where we kind of at least I will. I won't speak for you because I don't know your 100% opinion on Brock Purdy, but I do respect that kid's game and that he is fairly athletic. He's not fast, but he kind of he has a little bit of Baker Mayfield in him where he can just manipulate the pocket. He can manipulate. Uh, his body in order to get out of what appears to be certain doom. So, you know, I'll credit Brock Purdy, but I was just praying that Calvin Thibodeau would just get his guys in a huddle and say, I don't care what you do, hit him. If he has the ball in his hands, great. That's a sack. If he doesn't have the ball in his hands and you get a flag, I don't care, but do not bite on a pump fake one more time. But where I'm going with this is Kyle Trask likes to pump fake as well, but the difference is Trask is not the athlete that Brock Purdy is. So even if they bite on pump fakes, I don't know if Kyle Trask is going to be able to get out of certain doom as, as frequently as Brock Purdy did. And that's going to be the hope that this defensive line can continue what we've seen all year against Florida. Well, absolutely. I think the word you're looking for to describe Purdy, he's shifty. Yeah. That that's the word. He's not fast. He's not going to, you know, pull a Kyler on you and just zip down the field for 40 or 50 yards, uh, you know, on a regular basis anyway, but, but he's, he, he's, he's shifty uh, and, and he can, uh, he can get out of those tight spots uh, just like Mayfield did. Mayfield's not fast, but he was shifty and he could get out of those spots and, and get away just enough to get the ball loose. So yeah, Trask does not, he's not fleet of foot. And, and so we may see, uh, you know, maybe we can finish on some more of those against against Florida. We'll have to see. And the other fun little key is Florida's offensive line not very good. So uh, yes, we yes. will see. That's this is why they play the games, except for the playoff games, which they don't give a damn if the, if the games are played. They just want their four best teams in the playoff. But uh, oh, and 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 not that this has anything to do with anything, but but Notre Dame is going to get turned into a stain. Yeah, by Alabama. I mean, it's. You think some of the ones we've been in have been ugly? Um, you know, it's, I, I would love to have gotten to the playoff and had a chance to be turned into a stain by Alabama. Don't get me wrong, but but this is going to be one of the uglier ones. Uh, I, I'm I'm confident. So, I, I've always kind of maintained since the playoff started that the biggest, like, there is an argument for the biggest fraud playoff team. Um, since 2014 you could say uh, that bad Clemson team uh, with the quarterback before Trevor Lawrence uh, who eventually transferred to Missouri that was a bad offensive didn't they, team. didn't they get shut out like 31 to nothing by Ohio State or something like that yeah I it wasn't close um, you can go that way you can go to the Notre Dame team that got destroyed by Clemson what two well years the Michigan ago. State team the year we played that's, Clemson that's who I was going to say because if you remember the way it was all starting to shake out, OU, if the higher-ranked team didn't get a say in where the games are played, which I think is complete BS, why is that a thing? It has never been a thing in college football. Because just ask Oklahoma, do you want to play Miami in the Orange Bowl for the national championship? No. Do you want to play LSU in the Sugar Bowl for that? No. So now all of a sudden, we're going to manipulate things and let Alabama say, well, we don't want to play Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, so give us Michigan State. That Michigan State team sucked, and them getting shut out that year was uh, not shocking. Yeah, and I didn't even see – I don't think I saw any of that game. I was trying to make it back from the hinterlands of North Miami uh, back to the hotel. So, But, yeah, it was that – what I saw of that, of that game and learned of that game, it was, it was fairly ugly. You know, people people like to say bad things about our our four playoff games, but you know, two of those four we were ahead at halftime. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess. Oh well. But one thing moral moral victories I'm not claiming, but uh, you know, the, the 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 we've only gotten we've only really gotten whooped in the playoffs once, and it was last year. Uh, fell way behind Alabama, and frankly, with a little break here and there, could have made that a real game at the end. So. Yeah, eh, eh, it is what it is. At least they rather. I, I'll, I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'd rather get blown out in the playoff than win a New Year Six game. So, 
Because at least if you're in the playoff, you got a chance. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, as much as I like having a good taste in my mouth as the season ends, and if OU wins against Florida, it's like, okay, I haven't – it's been a while since this team's won a bowl game since, what, 2016 against Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. But um, it would have been nice to have a chance to get, like you said, uh, turned into a stand against Alabama because that's why they play the games. But um, now let's get to my favorite part when I talk to you, Road Warrior. It's just uh, reminiscing about the old times – and one of those times, you and I were actually in the same building, which I think this would have been the second time you and I were in the same place because my first ever OU game in person uh, was 2000 in Stillwater when OU won 12 to 7. Uh, but my second game was the Cotton Bowl against Arkansas. And you have, you've got a great story. You've got a funny story. I'll let you get to that. But I will say, my story about this game, other than our shared experience of an awful weather game and a boring football game, was going into this game a few weeks prior, my dad had bought Big 12 championship tickets the night before we played Oklahoma State. And he told me, and I was like, Dad, don't you want to wait till we play Oklahoma State? And he's like, oh, son, they suck. Like, it, we'll win. Don't worry. And then everybody knows what happened. <laughs> and so I was, I was 10 or 11. So I was really sad. I was going to be able to go watch OU play. And so he felt bad and then got us cotton bowl tickets and boom, that game was bad. It, it was, that game was awful. Um, it was awful on many, many, many levels. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a top tier bowl game at the time. It was like a secondary, you know, it was like a, it was like a holiday bowl level game. It wasn't a new year six, you know, the new year six didn't exist, but it wasn't a BCS game at the time. And they weren't playing it at Jerry world. Um, They're playing course, it in the literal cotton bowl. In the literal cotton. Bowl. I guess Jerry, Jerry world wasn't even, they hadn't even started building Jerry world. No, they still had, still, they still had Texas stadium at the time. That was still five or six years away because actually the, 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 the big 12 championship game that you're talking about was the one big 12 championship game that was played at, at Texas Stadium in Irving, actually. Oh, okay. I thought that was in San Antonio. No, it was – There was Texas played Colorado, uh, yeah. and Colorado won. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was at the, the old Cowboys Stadium. But, um, yeah, anyway, you know, that game was messed up on many levels. We didn't want to be there. Uh, disappointed after we lost to OSU. The game started at 10 a.m. kickoff, and it was New Year's Day in Dallas – and, you know, the weather in Dallas on New Year's Day is not always the greatest. And it was cold and drizzly and windy. And so I had to get up at the crack of early, even even more so than, than to go to an 11 a.m. game at the Cotton Bowl. And then for some god-awful reason, I still haven't figured out why I got lost. I got lost driving from my regular – so that was the first year that became our regular hotel. I've stayed at that hotel every year since. Uh, but – we got lost going to the Cotton Bowl, and I've driven to the Cotton Bowl a million times, um, and ended up in one of those neighborhoods over around there. Um, that's probably not the greatest neighborhood. Fortunately, at, at you know nine nine twenty five on in the morning on New Year's Day, there wasn't a lot going on, but uh, just got just got completely lost. And this was before Google Maps or any of that stuff, so uh, took me forever to get there, and we barely got there in time for the game. Um, you almost it's, didn't it's still, miss much. It still just it still astonishes me that I got lost on the way to the Cotton Bowl. Um, and the other thing I remember distinctly about it, you know, they painted the field was dirt, the grass was dead, the field was dirt. They painted it green, and we were wearing white, and the green came off all over our uniforms. At the time, my baby brother was the head cheerleader at OU, and he had to throw away his shoes because they were, you know, they were in white, white shoes yeah. uh, and, and they got stained green and they couldn't get it out. And he just had to throw his, he had to throw his shoes away. <laughs> no, I, um, cause like you said, 10 AM kick cold drizzly, it was just above freezing and it was drizzling. So nothing was freezing. You were just sitting in perpetual puddle. And so you <laughs> like, we were dressed up for like snow and everything, but, um we had parkas and everything i just remember being soaked and it wasn't an offensive juggernaut of a game oh you beat arkansas 10 to 3 um 
it was fun from the standpoint of Rocky Calmus and Roy Williams just beat the ever loving shit out of uh, <laughs> uh, what was his name? Matt Jones, the freshman quarterback mm-hmm. who eventually became pretty good and then played receiver for the Jaguars in the NFL for a handful of years uh, was a four, three white kid at quarterback. So uh, he did nothing. They brought, their, they brought their pig. I remember they brought, they brought a trailer with the giant pig in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. <coughs> For whatever reason, we sat in the Arkansas section. My dad got tickets there, and uh, Arkansas fans were just not very happy. I mean, they were they... Arkansas fans. I mean, Arkansas fans are perpetually not very happy. They don't understand. Arkansas people think that their their program is on a level with Oklahoma, and they've thought that for years. They think that that they're better than us for some reason. I mean, objective measures aside, and and I never have quite understood it. The Arkansas people get worked up about Oklahoma all the time, and Oklahoma people are like, "Is there a school in Arkansas?" I mean, Arkansas is a non it's a non issue. It's a non entity. It's irrelevant to Oklahoma fans. But Arkansas people get worked up about it for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it's always been a program that I wish OU played a little bit more frequently just because they, Arkansas seems to annoyingly pick some talent out of the east, eastern part of the state from OU, and it would just be nice to just put them in their place on the field and just have that extra little recruiting umph. Not that it matters that much, but, you know, they're just a regional program that's close by. I don't know why we can't play each other that much, but that's A&M doesn't play Texas anymore because they're well, I mean, scared. and. Oh, oh. Arkansas and Oklahoma State were historical rivals, and that's really the level that they're at. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not joking about that. Arkansas and Oklahoma State just play every year for years and years and years and years and years. It's it's so odd to me that because for our younger listeners who maybe the old days to you are the days of the BCS, um, the old <laughs> the, the old old days, um, Southwest Conference their big bowl game was the cotton bowl. So if you can, if you've ever heard stories about, Oh, you always playing the orange bowl, the big eight champion always went to the orange bowl, the big 10 pack 10 champion always played each other in the Rose bowl. There are always these conference top bowl tie-ins and the cotton bowl was the super bowl quote unquote for the Southwest conference, which is all the Texas schools plus Arkansas. Um, it's so weird to me that that was it because like you mentioned, New Year's Day in Dallas is not fun. It's it's wet. It's freezing. It's windy. It's just ugly. It's amazing to me that that was their, like Daryl Royal getting his team ready in the summer, saying, "All right, guys, we're going to try and get to the Cotton Bowl." And I'd be like, I, "Can we go somewhere else, <laughs> please?" Well, yeah. I mean, that's that. Of course, you know. Again, a lot of the folks listening to this probably you know, including, and you're part of it, but, you know, including you, you're, you know, the old days for you or the BCS, um, you know, back in the old days of, of bowl tie-ins, you know, I mean, we won national championships, uh, you know, in 85, we won the national championship because we were able to win the national championship against Penn state because Tennessee beat Miami the same night in a different bowl game. Uh, Cause Miami, I don't think the, I think they were in the big East at the time. And I don't think they had a tie-in. Tennessee was tied into the Sugar Bowl with the SEC, so Miami was playing Tennessee in the Sugar Bowl. And if Miami had won, they had beaten us early in the season. Uh, they probably would have won the national championship. But Tennessee, Tennessee beat them. We beat Penn State, so we moved up. There was a there was a, a sort of a formula that the, the way the polls worked, and so you could pretty much predict before it happened, you know how how it would work out if certain results, you know, went went certain ways. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the uh, um, uh, I don't think the ACC had any bowl tie-ins. It was the, it was the big 10 and the PAC 10 and the SEC was at the sugar bowl and the big eight was at the orange bowl. And I think that was it historic historically. And of course there used to be a rule where you couldn't go to the, and this was even before my time, but I mean, there used to be a rule where you couldn't go to the orange bowl two years in a row, even if you won the conference. Uh, so there was a rule like that in the big 10, you couldn't go to the Rose bowl two years in a row, even if you won the conference. Uh, so it was all, all goes back to the, you know, the bowl games were, were tourism uh, hooks by these places to get people from the cold. Yeah. Get people from the cold areas to come down uh, and spend money there. That's why, um, as you just said, exhibitions, that's why they used to do the, the national champion uh, before the bowl games, because bowl games weren't games that counted. Yeah. Uh, 
they were just an excuse to go have a trip and the alums to go down there. Cause what was it? 19. OU's first it, national title. Was it 50? Yeah. yeah they, we lost to Kentucky in the, in the Rose, in the, in the orange bowl that year. Lost to Bear Bryant's Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. Yeah. But they'd and already so been, people, they'd already been voted yeah. national champions. So it's just a, it's a glorified scrimmage. Right. That. Exactly. It's just a quirk of, you know, people like to go back and, and retcon, you know, those championships because of the way they did it at the time, but that was the way they did it. It wasn't, it wasn't seen as the game to, to decide anything. It was your reward for having had a successful season and it didn't really make any difference how it turned out in yeah. terms of, of how people viewed, you know, the national scene on the year. Um, you know, so it was, it was interesting. I think I have a, I think I got a, no, I don't have one. I, I, I collect ticket stubs. I think I, I, I was thinking if I had a ticket stub from that Orange Bowl, but I don't think I have that. I have the, like the 1956 Orange Bowl, I think, a program yeah. to go with it. It's pretty cool. The sport's come a long way, but it still has, quite frankly, a long way to go. But, you know, that's, that's a different story for a different day. Um, no more about the Arkansas Cotton Bowl. Let's get more into just the, uh, because it's interesting with those three SEC opponents that OU could have played in this Cotton Bowl, OU owes each one of them. OU lost to A&M in the 2012 Cotton Bowl. OU lost to Georgia in the 2017 Rose Bowl. And OU lost to Florida in the 2008-2009 uh, National Championship uh, Orange Bowl down in Miami. So, look, it's not payback because – in order for it to be true payback, OU needs to beat Florida to win a title. Um, but I, I will admit, I like that slate of three teams that we could have played because I'm like, if OU wins, I'll satisfy a little bit of vengeance. And I can't remember who put this out on Twitter. It might have been Jason Kersey from The Athletic. I didn't. It was something I already knew. It didn't need to be said. But someone pointed out. Oh, oh, he's going to have DeMarco Murray for this game against Florida. And I just immediately <laughs> wanted to break something. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That Florida game has to be you one. You might of have helped time. us punch it in down there at the goal line. That Florida game has to be. I mean, the Rose Bowl is like certainly up there, but that defense was so, so bad. Like It, it kind of makes sense, even though it still is heartbreaking. And the defense still made plays in that game to help OU try to win it anyway. I mean, that fumble return, you, made, you give them credit. Uh, but that 08 national title against Florida is just so damn frustrating. I, a month layoff, so Florida had a month to prepare. Bob and Kevin Wilson decided, here, let's pull a fast one on Florida and huddle this time. The offense was just so slow for some damn reason. And even – with all that crap, OU's defense plays extremely well, well enough to win. OU gets down on the goal line twice, loses by 10 points, doesn't score on those two goal line possessions, leaving 14 points on the field. And the big difference was if the defense had a problem for OU side, it was they couldn't tackle Percy Harvin because turned out Percy Harvin was pretty damn good. And we didn't have our Percy Harvin. And again, we left 14 points on the off board because – couldn't score on the goal line that that was a it's a frustrating loss that still pisses me off to this day and I think even somebody put out that clip of a major right hitting Manny Johnson before the ball got there and they yeah. didn't that flag I'm just I want to basically what I'm, I'm trying I'm, to tell you is I want to kick Florida's ass into the stone age on Wednesday <laughs> well I've been mad about that play since it happened and that was before they had targeting or anything else but you know Pat like he got thrown out if he did it if he did that you know today oh yeah the replay the replay clearly shows a he got there before the ball and then he led with his head so it's like yeah, he put he put the he put the hole on the top of his helmet on manny Johnson's chin um yeah that's been floating around i saw the same thing that you did and it pissed me off the same as you did now i you know it's only payback in a deal like this it's only payback for the fans because you know if it's true payback it's it's close enough in time that some of the guys who played in that other game are still playing yeah. Uh, you know, those guys aren't going to get payback, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not for a title, but it would be, it would be very satisfying to beat them any sec team, but it would be nice to beat Florida. We have never, you know, we've only, we've only played them that once and we've never beaten Florida. We've never beaten Georgia. We've never beaten Mississippi and we've never played Mississippi state or South Carolina. So, you know, of the 14 teams in the sec, there's five of them we haven't beaten and Florida's one of them. So we can, we can, even even leaving that one game aside, we can change that uh, on Wednesday night. So that that's enough of a reason. 
and there's some sweet karma in that. Obviously, Gainesville's a long way from Miami, but you're playing Florida in the state of Florida for a national championship, and maybe OU fans are just a little bit more sensitive to that because I feel like we're the most snake-bitten, bowl destination uh, team in yeah. college football history because of no, something. The, that, that, that score won't be leveled until we play for the national championship in Dallas. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is now Florida has to play us relatively in our backyard uh, just two, half, three hours down south, down in Dallas. So hopefully that could help. I think Dan Mullen was – was he their offensive coordinator at the time? Because they had Charlie uh, Strong as their D.C. I think Dan Mullen might have been their O.C. under Urban Meyer. I, I could be wrong. Because I, 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 I think that's what – I think that's what helped him get the Mississippi State head coaching job was he was Urban's O.C. Um, when he was at Florida. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I knew he was. I knew he was an assistant there, but I never, I never got too too deep into it. I honestly didn't until you mentioned it. I didn't know whether whether Mullen was an offensive guy or a defensive guy. He's been a head coach long enough. I forgot what kind of coordinator he was. Yeah, he he likes to run that 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 spread that that weird type of spread that Urban Meyer likes to run that Tim Tebow ran, where you just get a lot of motion and you've got a big big quarterback who may or not be able to may or may not be able to throw, but they happen to have Kyle Trask, who's an incredible pocket passer. So, um, I get. Am I wrong? Because I think you might have mentioned that the Florida. I don't know if you said it on a podcast or if we just talked about it before we went on. That the Florida experience against the Gators was your worst experience ever. No, no, that was Miami. Oh, okay. Same, well, that, same well, that building. Makes sense. No, the Florida people, the Florida State people, they were fine. I mean, they were slightly annoying, but I mean, no big deal. The Miami. The 09 Miami game was, you know, after that game was a, you know, it was a, it was harrowing to get back to the car, shall we say. Uh, I just, it, I mean, the other thing, and like, God, I'm like really showing my fanhood here. Um, having a chance to be able to knock off Tim Tebow and then squandering it because he, he threw two picks. He threw a bad throw to, he, he had a bad throw that Nick Harris picked off. And then he threw a damn interception to Gerald McCoy. Tim Tebow did not play that well in that game, yet he gets to be heralded as a multiple national champion quarterback. And it's just, we didn't have DeMarco Murray, man. Like you, you have no idea how good this team was, even if they had that month to prepare, which makes this matchup even more funny because they have eight, nine days to prepare for it after they each played in their conference title games. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't get worked up about those things. It's, it is what it is. And, you know, it worked out how it worked out. And at some point in the future, it'll work out different to our benefit. And, you know, we'll get a, a, a one of the new style championship trophies in there. And, and, uh, you know, I, I honestly think we're, we're pretty close to a, to, um, to an Alabama Clemson level run. Now, I'm not saying we're going to win multiple national championships in the next five years or anything like that, but we've been basically the the next team down from those two uh, and Ohio State even in the last few years. So, yeah, um, you know, I I, I think that uh, you know the future the future is nothing but bright. So, certainly looks that way, and especially if some guys, some key guys on the defensive line decide, you know what, I'll come back. That would be pretty sweet as well, but. One more thing before I get you out of here, Road Warrior. And again, follow him on Twitter at OU Road Warrior. Um, real quick, does OU win on Wednesday against Florida, or do they lose? Uh, well, I always think we're going to win, and until I'm proven wrong, I'll say I'll say we win. Uh, that's okay. I'm not. That's not a prediction. That's just my feeling. But it's it's I'm biased. I always think that. And you know, we may go in there and and mud hole them or we may get mud holed ourselves or more likely it'll be somewhere in between, but um, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of weird to only have a week and a half between the, the, the conference title game and the bowl game, but fortunately not a lot of travel, travel arrangements to be made. Just hop in the car three and a half hours down the road and you're there. So uh, looking forward to it, taking the day off work. It's going to be taking, taking the next day off work mostly too, because <laughs> I'm not driving back after the game. So. Yeah. Oh, that's probably for the best. And please don't get lost once again, even though it's a different stadium. No, I have the Google, I have the Google maps and, and, you know, unlike the cotton bowl, you can see Jerry world from a long ways away. Yes, you can navigate, navigate by sight. (laughs) Well, Roy warrior. Thank you 
so much for jumping on this episode and basically for the latter half of the season, but I will, you know, we've kind of talked about doing some stuff in the off season. So you will still be a part of it. Um, moving forward. We're Keegan and I are still trying to figure out uh, what inside OU looks like during what we think of should be a normal off season, but a lot of things in the real world have to take place and hopefully good things happen so that we can have silly things like spring football and, uh, some summer workouts, signing day, and recruiting visits, all those normal things that we love to uh, hyper-focus on. So uh, um, once we get that all squared away, um, Road Warrior will still be a part of this pod. But thank you once again. Well, thank you, and uh, have a happy new year. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you on the other side. Yes, happy holidays, everybody. Happy new year to everybody else. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Boomer Sooner.